This program is brought to you by Bobbleway Media, under the oversight of the elders of the Chipman Road Congregation in Lee Summit, Missouri. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome, welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. Today we're going to continue in our studies in Romans chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 19. Romans chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 19 through 22. In these verses, we see the contrast between the old life of sin and the new life of righteousness. In verse 19, we see that both sin and righteousness are progressive in nature. Romans 6, 19 says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. So Paul says he's speaking after the manner of men, and in the words he's using an illustration to make his point clear. He first there mentions that they had yielded their members servants to uncleanness. Uncleanness is from the Greek word akatharsia, and Thayer describes or defines that word this way. Uncleanness, physical, in a moral sense, the impurity of lustful, luxurious, profligate living, also of impure motives. Then he also mentions there that they were servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. The word iniquity there, anomia, Thayer defines it as the condition of without law because of ignorance of it, because of violating it, contempt and violation of law iniquity and wickedness. And the phrase iniquity unto iniquity shows the progressive nature of sin. A good example of that is found in the Old Testament there in Joshua chapter 7 verses 20 and 21. Joshua 7, 20 and 21. Of course, the background there of Joshua chapter 7 is the fact that the children of Israel had defeated the city of Jericho, and now they were going to battle the little village there of Ai, and they were defeated at Ai because Achan had taken of something that he should not have taken of. There were things that were devoted to God. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 19, Joshua six nineteen says, But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Well, at the defeat there of the children of Israel, in Jover in chapter 7, verse 10, we're going to start there. So the Lord said to Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, the King James says, devoted thing, the American Standard says, and also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. So here we're going to see that Achan is the one that was found. And you go to verse 19, Joshua said to Achan, My son, I give, I pray thee, glory to God, the Lord, to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. Verse 20, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. In verse 21, we see the progressive nature of sin. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them 
and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. You see the progressive nature. I saw, I coveted, I took, and I hid them. So we find that's the progressive nature of sin, and also we find the same progressive nature of sin in Second Samuel chapter 11. Second Samuel chapter 11. And let's begin reading there in verse 1. The verse there says, oops. It came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, Rabbah being the capital city. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David rose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and a woman was very beautiful to look upon, and David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers, and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. So we see the same thing taking place here with David that we saw with Achan, just a different circumstance. The first thing he did was he saw a woman washing herself. Now, if he glanced and saw that and looked away, went back inside, there'd be nothing wrong with that. But he saw and then he looked. He didn't just see, he looked and inquired. This is the progressive nature. Saw, look, inquired, took, and committed adultery with her. Well, not only that, but later we find out that we see down in verse 5, the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. So now, instead of confessing and repenting, he's going to try to hide his sin, just as Achan did. It's six, verse 6, David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah unto David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded how Joab did, how the people did, how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. See, David was trying to hide the fact that he had been with Bathsheba and tried to make people believe that Uriah's child would be the one born of Bathsheba. But Uriah would not do that. Verse 10. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said to Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down into thine house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. So we find here that Uriah to David would have been infuriatingly noble. Well, verse 12, David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow, and when David called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. So he's still trying to get him to go to his house and do something to help David hide his sin. Verse 13, 
said, And even he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. So there David's trying to hide his sin. But the progressive nature of sin is shown in, again, we'll notice, David saw, he looked, he inquired, he took, he committed adultery, and now, in verse 14, he is going to write a letter. came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter, saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. So David, the progression again, saw, looked, inquired, took, committed fornication, tried to hide his sin, didn't work. He wrote a letter, and now he wants Uriah killed, that Uriah might die. And that is exactly what happened. Well, David is still trying to hide his sin there at the end of chapter 11. After the death of Uriah, it says, And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David tried to hide his sin. Well, Uriah didn't go down there, so maybe people will think that Bathsheba is having David's child after they were married. But God knew the difference. So that is the progression of sin, and we see that in people's lives today. They may try to lie and then try to cover up that lie. And in covering up that lie, there are many other things that they may be willing to do. But we see the progression of sin. But we also saw back there in Romans chapter 6, verse 19, the progression of righteousness. The end of Romans six nineteen says, Even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Well, righteousness unto holiness also shows progression. If you would, turn with me to Second Peter chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. There it says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, or agape love. We see the progression of righteousness the first thing that we see is escape. They, or we as Christians, have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. So we have escaped, and then we are to do this. We are to add to our lives. The things we are to add, add to our faith, virtue courage, being courageous, and knowledge, study to show ourselves approved of God, workmen and women that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Add to our knowledge temperance or self-control. Our spirits, we are to control our bodies over in, well, we're not going to go there. We'll just stay where we're at. We won't chase too many rabbits. So we're to add self-control, and to self-control, we are to add patience. That's the Greek word hupomene. That is something that we are to cheerfully have 
cheerfully go through suffering, knowing what is coming, that patience. Add to patience godliness. In other words, being like God in the best way that we can. Jesus Christ set the example for us and we can follow his example in being godly. Whenever we look over in 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter, we find that Jesus has set the example for us in the way that we should live. It says there, we'll go over to chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading there in verse 2. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. And then he says, we drop down to verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of, the, of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love. And it continues to say there, In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your, of your souls there. And then over in First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 21, and reading down through verse 25, we see the example that Jesus set. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, or when he was vilified, reviled not again, he didn't vilify back. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. The word committed there means to surrender. Verse 24, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to those sins, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but ye are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. So we see then that the progression of righteousness to holiness, escaping the corruption that's in this world, and adding to our lives, these Christian virtues that are given here. It Barnes said in his commentary, and I quote, if all Christians would employ the same energies in advancing the kingdom of God that they have in promoting the kingdom of Satan, the church would rise with dignity and grandeur, and every continent and island would soon feel the movement. You know, you look at people out there today, if people were as energetic, you might say, in promoting Christianity as they are in promoting their political party, as they are in promoting their school, their place of employment, their family, whatever you may want to say, if people would employ the same energy in speaking about the church, teaching about the church, that people do in promoting the kingdom of Satan, how much better would the church be? In Romans 6.20, we see that when we were slaves of sin, we did not practice righteousness. Romans 6.20 For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. 
Well, in their former state, in other words, before they were Christians, before we were Christians, they were not under the influence of righteousness and were totally devoted to sin. They may not have realized that. We may not have realized that in our lives, but we were. An example from the Old Testament is Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Genesis 6, 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Do we not see that in our world today as well, as people promote abortion, homosexuality, transgenderism, as people vote to make legal marijuana and other drugs, just as they did alcohol back in, what was it, the 30s, 1930s? We see people promoting evil, and that's what's taking place today as well. People are devoted to sin. And being a slave of sin brings shame. Romans 6.21 Romans 6.21 says, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. You think about, you know, what, well, he goes, what fruit? In other words, what good was that in your life? when you promoted those evil things, when you lived those evil ways. And he said, you're now ashamed of those things. Now you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and you begin reading down in verse 9. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And he's talking about, he's going to give us example of unrighteous actions. He goes, be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Don't let people deceive you into thinking that homosexuality is right. That it's just another lifestyle. That's just a lie of the devil. Don't let people convince you that transgenderism is right. That's just another lie of the devil. And you find the effeminate here in verse 9. You find homosexuality there where it says abusers of themselves with mankind. But also, if you steal something from work, that would be thieves. Or if you're covetous for other people's things. Or if you drink alcohol in any amount or smoke marijuana in any amount or take illicit drugs in any amount. Those who revile others or slander them, those who commit extortion, he says none of those will be going to heaven, shall enter the kingdom of God. And then he gives the explanation that people have been trying to get rid of for years when he says in verse 11, and such were some of you. Some of those, those people in Corinth were homosexual. They were committing transgenderism, maybe. I don't know, but it'd be, the, it'd be that way today. They were thieves. They were drunkards. They were stealing from others. They were idolaters. They were effeminate, they were slandering others, they were committing extortion, and he says, and such were some of you. That just simply means that people make the choice. People choose to be homosexual. 
people choose to be transgender has nothing at all. God didn't make any mistakes. People make their choice. Sometimes those choices are made by people who are immature, who want to be popular. Sometimes those choices are made because of mental illness. Sometimes those choices are made just because people want to be bad. They want to be evil. They are sex-driven, you might say. But he says, and this is the progression of righteousness again. Ye are washed, that would be baptism, for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38, Acts 22.16. Ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the spirit, or by the Spirit of our God. So he's saying, what fruit had you in those things? You know, how do you think about your former lifestyle now that you have become a Christian? Now that you know those things were wrong? He says, you're now ashamed of those things. And then he says, for the end of those things is death. You go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 19. We're going to be looking at some of the same sins that we saw there in 1 Corinthians 6. It says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, they're made known. People know what they are. And he goes, Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness. That's lustful, luxurious living. I guess fornication, Thayer defines the word there in the Greek as that would be premarital sex, extramarital sex, homosexuality, and sex with animals. Lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is defined as indecent bodily movements, unchaste handling of males and females. Idolatry. Worshiping something other than God. It doesn't have to be a stone idol or one made of wood. That idol can be ourself, our job, the things we do, our pleasure. It could be family, it could be friends, it could be a car, it could be anything that we put ahead of God. Witchcraft, those that practice witchcraft, whether they're Wiccan or whatever, it's sin. Hatred. We must not hate. If we have hatred in our heart, then we are following the devil. Variance. Variance there means strife, striving with one another. Emulations means jealousy, wrath, anger, and what anger leads to. Strife. The word strife here, the American Standard translates as factions having cliques or whatever. Seditions would be division. Heresies, speaking against God's word, God. Envying, being envious of others. Murders. Murders is the taking of innocent life. Man has no right to do that, and abortion is one of the biggest ways that people practice that today. You know, we think about human sacrifice, how horrible human sacrifice used to be. That's all abortion is, is human sacrifice. We're sacrificing them to the God of self, of wealth, of whatever. We're sacrificing. Revelings, revelings, oh, excuse me, drunkenness. If you drink one drink, you're one drink drunk. Revelings. The word is defined as musical profession, or procession that includes drinking and dancing. And then Paul says, and such like. Anything that is like anything that is in that list is a work of the flesh and is sin. And then he says, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So there is again that slave to sin which brings death. And that's what the end of verse 21 there says in Romans 6. For the end of those things is death. 
We're not talking about physical death. We're talking about spiritual death, eternal punishment in hell. So in that verse, Romans chapter 6, verse 19, or excuse me, verse 21, we see the past, the present, and the future of sin. Sin's past fruits bring present shame, with sin's future being eternal punishment in hell. You see, without God, our lives lack something very important. You know, there's no ultimate satisfaction in material things. People just want more and more and more. People are not satisfied. They keep wanting more, and when they get the more, then that's not enough to satisfy either. You know, we are now, if we are a Christian, we are now ashamed of the things that we used to do. I want to go to Ezra chapter 9, verse 6. Ezra chapter 9, verse 6. Ezra there is praying to God. In verse 5 he says, And at the evening sacrifice I rose up from my heaviness. The American Standard says humiliation. And having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord. What is Ezra so distraught about here? We go back to chapter 9, verse 1. says, Now when these things were done, the princes came to me, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even though the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. Four, and this is what they had done. They have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers hath been chief in this trespass. Verse 3, And when I heard this, I rent my garment and my mantle, and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard, and sat down astonished. We might say astonished. The American standard says confounded. Verse 4 says, Then were assembled unto me everyone that trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away, and I sat astonished even until the evening sacrifice. See, that's one of the main problems we have today is people don't tremble at the word of God. They'll stomp all over it. They'll change it. But then in verse 6, and he's praying to God, and he said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespasses grown up unto the heavens. And then he says, Since the days of our fathers we've been in great trespass unto this day. And for our iniquities have we, our kings, our priests, or and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to the captivity, to the spoil, and to confusion of face as it is this day. Ezra was ashamed of what Israel had done. And this is after they came back from Babylonian captivity. But Ezra, Ezra was ashamed of that. In Jeremiah 8.12, we find those who were not ashamed of what they had done. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 12 says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall. In the time of their visitation shall they be cast down, saith the Lord. we got people today in our country and our communities who do not 
are not ashamed. They do not blush at the sin that they commit. Freedom from sin, though. We looked at escaping from unrighteousness, from the things, the evil of this world. In Romans 6.22 now, freedom from sin means service to God is now possible. Before we were freed from sin, we could not serve God. Romans 6.22 says, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. See, that's what a life of service to God leads to. Everlasting life. You know, most people probably believe that there is something after this life. There are those that don't. But, you know, even in your all of the false religions throughout the world, they believe something is going to happen. Some may believe in reincarnation or whatever, nirvana or whatever all these things are, they proclaim about. Of course, atheists believe that there's not anything going to happen after this life. But a Christian, those who have obeyed the gospel, are free from sin. Whenever they were immersed in water for the forgiveness of their sins, they were free from sin. I want to go to Romans chapter 6, the earlier part of this chapter. And look at verses 3 and on down through verse, uh, verse 8. Verse 3 says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So you just look at that a little bit. If there is no burial in water, there is no newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. See, in baptism, that old body of sin is destroyed. It is crucified. And then verse 7, For he that is dead, that is, has died from to sin, is free from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe also we shall live with him. So we have been made free from sin in the act of baptism and we became then servants of God and our fruit our works the things we do unto holiness we live holy lives now and in the end if we have lived holily and we have proven faithful we will receive everlasting life you see the fruit of a slave of God is holiness. In Mark chapter 4 verse 20 in the explanation there of the parable of the sower and he talks about the good ground here in Mark 4 20 says and these are they which are sown on good ground such as hear the word and receive it. And what does receive it mean? Obey and bring forth fruit their lives they live in a holy fashion, bringing forth fruit, doing good for others, teaching others the gospel, such things as that. And he says they bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. Some are more productive than others, but they're all bringing forth fruit. In John 15, look at verses 1 through 8. John 15 Verses 1 through 8. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father's the husbandman. 
Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. I find it interesting that the denominational world tries to say that the branches here are the different denominations. Well, we will find out that that is not the case. If it were the case, if a denomination did not bear fruit, God cast it out, the whole thing. Well, people don't want to hear that. But we'll find out what the branches are in a little bit. In verse 3, of course, Jesus is speaking here to his apostles on the night before he was betrayed. He says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And remember that Judas has already left. He left back in John 13. Verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. So we have to be in Christ. How do we get into Christ? We've already seen in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So we are not in Christ until we are baptized into Christ. And in Galatians 3.27, says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So whenever we are baptized into Christ, we are a branch in him, the vine. Again, verse 4, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. That means we must stay faithful continue to abide in Christ. Verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Ye, who's ye? He's talking there to the disciples, but he's talking to individual human beings. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, there we see that the branches are individual human beings. Verse 6, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burnt. We're talking there, Jesus using the physical description there of the spiritual, that if people do not abide in him, they will be cast forth and burned in eternal fire. Verse 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So, or in like manner, ye shall be my disciples. We are to bear much fruit for God. And the end of holiness, as was mentioned there, is eternal life. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, Galatians 6, 8 says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. That's practicing the works of the flesh that we saw in Galatians 5 and in 1 Corinthians 6. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Sowing to the Spirit, that's that righteousness unto holiness progression that we see. Now in verse 23 of Romans 6, we see the contrast of what we deserve and of what God offers. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wages of sin. Wages are what we earn. People that will be lost in hell earn it because that is what they earned in this life. In John 12, 48, 
John 12:48 Jesus said he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I've spoken the same shall judge him in the last day so if we are lost we got what we deserve because that's what we earned the wages of sin the payment for sin is eternal death that being eternal punishment in hell and again in Galatians 5:19-21 now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry witchcraft hatred variance emulations wrath strife seditions heresies envyings murders drunkenness revelings and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, they have earned everlasting punishment because they did not take care of the wages of sin. Well, but then it also says there in verse 23, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God offered his only begotten Son as a gift to mankind. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did his part. God provided the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And God has provided his word so that we know what we must do in order to have salvation. You know, in Luke 17.10, Jesus said there, So likewise, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say we are unprofitable servants we have done that which was our duty to do in other words we don't earn our salvation we just do what God tells us to do we have done that which was our duty it is our duty to obey God over in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. Oops. Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. And we're going to be looking at verses 12 and 13. Get there here in a minute. Ecclesiastes 12, 12 and 13 or excuse me, 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole, we see the word duty there added by the translators, but it's the whole of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So whenever we have done all those things that were commanded, Whenever we fear God and keep his commandments, Jesus said, say, we are unprofitable servants. We've only done that which was our duty to do. We didn't earn anything. God gives eternal life to those that will accept it. In Romans 5, 15 and 16, Romans 5, 15 and 16, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. You see, our death to sin is made possible by the grace of God through Jesus Christ and our obedience to the gospel. 
through hearing the word of God, believing Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting of our sins, confessing the deity of Christ, and baptism for the remission of sins, and then living a faithful life. That is how our death to sin is made possible. The devil wants to be our master. He wants us to stray away from that. He wants us to say homosexuality is just another lifestyle. Nothing wrong with transgenderism. Oh, you just have a fling. You can commit adultery, fornication. If you don't like the one you got, get rid of her and get another, just like you would a new car. Go out and lie. You can't get ahead in life if you don't lie. Go out and get drunk, things such as that. You'll be more popular if you do, and people won't think you're kind of stupid. I mean, on and on and on and on we could go. The devil wants to be our master. But so does God. And God has provided us a way for us to have him as our master. You know, we make the choice. And we have made the choice of whom we will serve. You know, back there in Romans chapter 6 again, verse 16. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15, Choose ye this day whom you will serve. And we have made that choice. We will either serve God in this life and have everlasting life with God or we will serve Satan in this life and face eternal everlasting punishment with him in hell. Well that brings us to the conclusion of Romans chapter 6. This is Don Boyd again. We'll thank you for tuning in to be with us and we look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting our website, BibleWayMedia.org. You can find all of our podcasts on all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.